0: are listening to Travel for a Loop, a storyteller's podcast where me, your host, Ryan Bedell, listens to a story about traveling from a special guest. The story can be funny, sad, enlightening, outrageous about human connection or any other combination of things, but all the stories are real experiences from real people. I have absolutely no idea what's coming, so I'll be just as surprised as you are. Uh, We're in our second episode here um, of quarantine episodes, hoping to keep them coming, so Hopefully we can all think back on some of the good uh, travel times and get excited for those to come. So uh, if you're listening and know someone who may want to advertise in the podcast, reach out to me on Instagram, Facebook, or email, and let me know who to get in touch with. Um, I want to thank the band Varsity for allowing me to use their song Circa 2002 as the theme song for the podcast. I'm your host, Ryan Bedell, based in Brooklyn, New York. This is episode 21, and today we've got David Kalin on the line. David is a... New Jersey native who technically studied history and film, but really spent most of his time at the school paper while at Northwestern University. After school, he moved to New York where he spent 12 years working in digital sports media. He's currently pursuing his MBA at NYU Stern School of Business, which he hopes to apply towards continuing his career in sports. After avoiding studying abroad in college, David made a 180 degree turn, I guess, 180, 180, yeah, uh, and started traveling extensively in his 20s which has led to many adventures and nearly as many disasters, which I have a feeling is what's coming. Um, David and his wife, Simone, now live in Jersey City, where they are grateful to their dog, Oliver, for allowing them space on the couch. Uh, Thanks for coming on the show, David. Much appreciated. Um, My
1: pleasure. Happy to be here.
0: Of course. It's uh, always good to chat. We do it a couple times a week together in class, but a little bit more socially is enjoyable. Um, yeah,
1: I'm excited to talk about uh, travel instead of uh, supply and demand curves or whatever it is we're gonna we're gonna be covering in
0: our I am courses this week. So. Right there with you, right there <laughs> with you. Um, you just to kick off with a question here. You said that you traveled extensively in your twenties before, sort of like not really having much interest in it in college. If I'm interpreting that correctly, uh, what would you say sort uh, of spurred the change?
1: Well, so I wouldn't say that I had no interest in college. Uh, I did so. Full disclosure: In college, I didn't study abroad, but I did have one course uh, where the kind of final uh, expectation of it was that you participated in a academic conference that was in the Alsace Lorraine uh, areas of France and Germany. Hmm. But uh, and I did go to that, which was spectacular. But it was nine days; it wasn't the same thing as like spending you know spending a whole semester abroad. Uh, I was in German classes my first two years. And the, one of the German professors who oversaw their study abroad program was trying very hard to hammer at me about how I really needed to spend time abroad. Uh, you know, there's only so much you can learn in the classroom. But it's not that I had no interest in studying abroad. It was more that I kind of, you know, some people have the mindset of I'll never have an opportunity to spend six months living in another country like this. I kind of had the mindset of I'm only in college for four years. And I don't know that I want to spend half of one of those years away from my friends or away from the creature comforts that that kind of environment allows. Um, And I also kind of just, I assumed that I was going to travel the world eventually and see all these places, but I never did a concrete step to like go in that direction. Uh, So when that changed was in 2011. Uh, At that point, I had been working in my job uh, long enough that I got an extra week of vacation. So I had three weeks off every year. But uh, I was working for the NHL at the time, so my work schedule was basically tailored to uh, the hockey season, and that meant that I really couldn't go away for more than a handful of days at a time unless it was the off season. so it was summer. So I would blow like three weeks of vacation in one shot, or close to it. Um, And that summer, I wasn't sure what I wanted to do, and I realized that I had one friend who lived in the Netherlands. I had friends who were living for two years in a West German city called Aachen, which is, uh, on the border with, uh, Belgium and the Netherlands. And I had another friend who is at a, uh, summer grad school study abroad program internship in Vienna. And those are all uh, places that are reasonably close together and easy to get to between the others. And I had never been to Amsterdam or Berlin or any of those places. And, uh, I kind of uh, came to this conclusion that traveling the world seems kind of far-fetched at first, even though you really want to do it, and then you realize that if you have some disposable income, all you have to do is give money to a website, and then you sit in this metal tube for like eight (laughs) hours –
0: and then you're there, then, it's that easy.
1: Yeah, and, and then the tube lands, and all of a sudden you're in the Netherlands. So uh, <laughs> once once I got over that mental hoop, uh, I went on this big vacation, which had a pretty disastrous start, which I can get into if you want, but that just really kind of uh, you know wet my appetite to see as much of the world as I could before I got to that next stage of life where there's uh, kids and mortgage and all that junk. So 2012, I went around Scandinavia 2013, I went to Africa. 2014, I went to Spain, Portugal, Morocco. Uh, Later, I went to Japan, uh, the British Isles, Croatia, Greece, Hungary, uh, and uh, Italy. And then 2019, my wife and I went on our honeymoon to Singapore and to Bali. And this summer, we were debating what big trip to do next. And it looks like our big vacation is going to be to our backyard. So,
0: <laughs> Yeah, uh, sounds about right for everyone.
1: Yeah. So, uh, so yeah, I mean, I, I, after not – it's weird now that I talk to people and they tell me that I'm well-traveled. And I guess I, I am, I guess, by an objective measure. But it doesn't really feel that way because as a younger person, I just didn't uh, travel abroad nearly as much as uh, some people I know. And I never really went that big trip in college. But, but uh, here I am, so –
0: here you are, you know, glorious as ever. You've had some great experiences. You made it all work.
1: Yeah, glorious is definitely the correct word to describe me and all of the experiences I've had abroad. So
0: yeah, yeah. No, yeah. when I look <laughs> when I look at you and when we speak, the first thing that comes to mind is glorious. Admittedly,
1: yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Especially when I when I haven't had my hair cut in about three months, that that just accentuates it. So you it, know,
0: it's weird it's, because I've never been the sort of guy who was like felt like I needed haircuts all that often and I'm just like god I would give anything for a haircut right now.
1: <laughs> yeah. So I have for about 12 15 years I've had this strategy with haircuts which is this I get, I get it buzzed every time and it's not cuz I think it looks good. It's just cuz I want to delay the next haircut as long as possible.
0: Yeah, buzz and, cuts are easy.
1: Yeah, and I don't want to feel the need to own a comb. Uh and so now really testing it. This is the longest my hair has been since I was, like, 19.
0: Doesn't and, look bad. Uh,
1: well, that's very nice of you to say. My wife constantly asks me if she can cut it, and uh, I don't love the idea of another person holding sharp things around my neck, so we'll see. We'll see how long it takes to get there. But now now we're way off topic, as I am wont to be, so anyway.
0: It's uh, life, you know?
1: We're Yeah.
0: It's not like we're uh, adhering to very stringent rules here on uh, on this podcast.
1: Oh, well, that's very reassuring.
0: Well, you did, uh, you did, uh, take some umbrage with the last episode's baseball, um,
1: I, I did comments, uh, only, only because I brought for the, uh, listeners, uh, the, I, I only, I brought up to Ryan earlier today that in the last episode of this podcast, he said that Moneyball was just fine as a movie, I, I think. yeah, And I, that's insane. I, 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 look, you're, you're a bright man, but I question your judgment after hearing something like that. That's Money Moneyball is like one of my favorite movies of all time and Jesus. I think it is
0: don't get uh, how you can put it on the same plane as some of those other great baseball movies.
1: Well, like uh like well you said you liked Angels in the outfield a lot, right?
0: Oh my god, classic. The rookie? Dennis Quaid? Come on. You're trying to tell me Moneyball even measures up?
1: Uh yes, I am telling you that. Uh but like the rookie is fine. I, I do love the Sandlot. I'm a I have some friends and I are, that are very obsessed with Rookie of the Year.
0: Also, uh, a very good that's one. Well, you're a Cubs yeah. fan, so that makes a lot of sense.
1: No, no, I'm a Mets fan.
0: You're a Mets fan. Okay, I don't know why yeah. I thought you were a Cubs fan.
1: Well, uh, you know, I probably because until 2016, every Cubs fan you met was as miserable as the Mets.
0: <laughs> yeah, it's very true. Well, you know, I worked for the Cubs for a couple of years, so yeah, I'm
1: you mentioned that.
0: Not a Cubs fan at all, but uh, they have. It's a weird dynamic. I mean, I'm a Cardinals fan, right? So I can't be too much right. of a Cubs fan, and I wouldn't call myself a fan at all. But they have like a little tiny, tiny space somewhere in my heart that is yeah. carved out for them.
1: When I was in college, I interned for the Chicago Blackhawks. and I grew up a big New Jersey Devils fan, and the Blackhawks were an NHL team that I knew about. But I had no I had no strong feelings about them one way
0: or the other. Well, you were there during the golden years, too, if you were there during no. college.
1: John, that's very generous of you to think that, but I am older <laughs> than you uh, realize. Uh, I graduated college in two thousand and seven, uh, so oh, the Blackhawks. A couple years were, before that, then. Yeah, that was the year that they drafted Patrick Kane number one overall. But they, uh, I, it's funny because I, I uh, my old boss there told me that when they won the Stanley Cup, they the whole organization was all first class, and they gave rings to everybody, including the interns. And I got so upset that. I wasn't four years younger and had a life that followed the exact same career trajectory uh, so that I could have a ring. But but to your point, though, even though I had no strong feelings about the Blackhawks one way or the other before I started working there, now they definitely have a soft spot in my heart. Uh, it's kind of a lucky coincidence that their dynasty happened to coincide with the Devils being in the worst period that they've had in my entire life. But uh, it's you know it was hard not to enjoy watching them. They were a ton of fun. During the mid 2000s, although as a Blues fan, it probably wasn't as much fun for you. But uh, uh, I mean,
0: up until this past year, my youth with the Blues was we will make the playoffs, make the first round, and then get out. That was all we could hope for.
1: Yeah, but they did that like 27 years in a row, which was very impressive. So,
0: yeah, it's only uh, impressive if you win, man.
1: <laughs> I suppose that's one way to look at it. I'm spoiled with uh, the
0: Cardinals, though, for sure.
1: Yeah. Well, I always tell people the crazy thing about the Cardinals, you know, I'm. As a Mets fan, the 2006 NLCS, unfortunately, is burned pretty hard into my brain.
0: Yeah, that's fair. Sorry, dude.
1: Yeah. Well, it's I, I wouldn't be sorry if I were you.
0: Yeah, but, we're uh, friends. I, I can have sympathy for a friend.
1: I appreciate that. The Mets won 97 games that year. The Cardinals won 83. Yeah, and that's true. It's, the crazy thing to me is that the Cardinals, over the past like 20 years, have consistently been one of the best teams in baseball. So for them to win the World Series twice is not crazy. But they did it in like the two worst years they had
0: oh, yeah, the entire man. Well, stretch. Two thousand eleven we squeaked down to the, the final day of the season to even make the right. playoffs.
1: Yeah, exactly. Which it just goes to show you kids, only do the bare minimum to get to where you need to be.
0: <laughs> yeah. Uh,
1: yeah. If you if you try hard, all you do is get tired. That's <laughs> that's the lesson I've learned.
0: Fair. Well, on that note, uh, it seems like a good time <laughs> to switch from sports yeah. to traveling sure. um, as much as I could talk about baseball all day, which we do do from time to time, you and I, which is nice.
1: Yes. Um, yeah. Hopefully we'll be able to do that with actual new baseball information to talk about in the not too distant future.
0: Yeah. That's but, the dream. But I was just saying sure. like yesterday, the other day before, uh, how weird it is to be in May and not have baseball. Like it's so strange to be yeah this far along. And I feel like. I didn't feel like I would notice the time I'm not spending watching baseball, but it just became such a staple of life to, like, I don't know, get home from work, turn on the game at 7, like mm-hmm. just sort of a way that summers have always been. So
1: anyway. Yeah, my, yeah sorry, go ahead. No,
0: that's all right. I just digress. I'm all over the place. If you got something you want to say, we don't need to transition yet. Go ahead. <laughs>
1: No, I was just going to say, my my wife and her father are not big baseball fans by any stretch. And uh, they asked me, like, what felt the strangest about being in quarantine. And I basically said, I know this is going to sound silly to you guys because you're not as into baseball as I am. But honestly, there's something about sitting in the ballpark on, like, a 75-degree Tuesday night watching the Mets play the Diamondbacks or whatever. that it, On, like, a nice June evening that just feels like spring and feels like summer to me. And... Not you know living without that right now has very much thrown my whole uh, mindset for a loop. But you know what? There there are people out there dealing with far worse things than me, so I shouldn't complain
0: too much. It's thrown your mindset for a loop, like traveling for a loop. (laughs) Yeah,
1: exactly. And and then I phrased it that way deliberately, obviously, (laughs) uh, as a wordsmith, so we could seamlessly transition back into the whole point of being here in the first place.
0: All right. You got stories for us. I'm excited mm-hmm. for your stories. It sounds like they're, uh, they're crazy. So sure, 15 minutes in, and several sports stories later, let's go for it.
1: Yeah. Uh, so I, I do have some crazy stories that revolve around sports, but I'm going to keep it international. For now. Um, but, uh, so basically, you know, I've gone on a lot of these vacations where I bounce around for three weeks, uh, five or six cities, if not more, Uh, Just to see different places. And uh, one of the things I've kind of come to tell people is that when you do that, uh, you have a lot of logistical things that you plan. And you eventually have to come to terms with the fact that it is virtually impossible for all of those logistical issues to go according to plan. Um, So, yeah. So I don't really have one specific trip that I figured I would focus on this entire conversation. But uh, I have had a number of uh, disastrous uh, travel stories. And it seems like every year when I go on one of those big trips, something really bad happens. And the I should have picked up on this, because that first trip that I mentioned earlier in 2011, I went on with my friend Kristen. And we were traveling to Amsterdam. We, we went to the Netherlands, Belgium, Germany, the Czech Republic, and Austria uh and we were 25 i turned 26 on the trip but uh we were still at a point in our lives we were trying to save money as best we could and we noticed that a round trip at the time from jfk to amsterdam was about 1200 dollars and we were looking around to see if there was a way to beat that price but it's summertime it's high travel season so it's kind of tough Uh, and then uh, Kristen found that if we flew Instead of going out of JFK, but we went Boston to Philly to Amsterdam, for whatever reason, that flight was $800. Okay. And we were like, okay, $400 savings. We can take a cheap overnight bus to Boston and, you know, we'll save $400. bucks. we will get on our way. Uh, so if I had that choice over again, I might make a different decision. <laughs> <laughs> but – um basically this is the story we so we took an overnight bus to boston uh we get into boston at like five thirty in the morning there nothing's open yet so we sit in the boston common for a while with all our luggage then we get breakfast somewhere and then we finally go to logan airport logan airport not the nicest airport in the country for those of you who have been through it and we kind of decided that we would get out of there sooner so we asked to be moved up to an earlier flight to philadelphia we fly to philadelphia we get off the plane we walk into the airport just in time to see uh, Abby Wambach score off a header to help the U.S. tie Brazil in the 122nd minute of the quarters of the Women's World Cup, which was, if you are into sports, a pretty thrilling moment. And that is the last positive thing that happened on this entire journey.
0: (laughs) The whole trip or just this travel?
1: This this day. The, The trip, the trip was great after this day.
0: But <laughs> I was like, damn, that's all downhill from there if it's the yeah, whole trip it, shot.
1: Oh, yeah. It was 18 days of pure misery. <laughs> uh, now, uh, so our flight first gets delayed like an hour and 40 minutes. Okay. It happens. Yeah. you, you know, I'm not, I'm not going to freak out about that. We get on the plane eventually. We take off Philadelphia to Amsterdam. An hour and a half into the flight, the captain gets on the intercom, and he says uh, that they have discovered that the plane is leaking hydraulic fluid and it is leaking hydraulic fluid at such a rate that it will not be able to land safely in Amsterdam. So
0: they have, to turn
1: the, they have to turn the plane around and go back to Philadelphia. Oh, that which is said, brutal. Yeah, which he says super nonchalantly. <laughs> He's just like, yeah, so we're going to turn back and go back to Philly. We'll see you on the ground. <sighs> this now, is your and captain
0: speaking. Like, uh, our yeah. aircraft is leaking essential fluid that we need. Yeah.
1: Just so you know, your choices are go to Philadelphia or die. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, and for someone like me who roots for the Giants and the Mets and the Devils, that's actually a pretty tough decision to make. Because, <laughs> Back to Philadelphia or death? Yeah, Phil- yeah, Philadelphia is not my favorite city. <laughs> um, but, so anyway, we land there. They basically say to us, we're going to try to find another plane to guys, to get you guys out to Amsterdam tonight. If we don't, we're going to put everybody up in a hotel. Which which I'm, like, freaked out about because it's a day of my vacation I'm going to lose. But it is what it is, you know? So we land around midnight East Coast time. They get on the microphone. They say there's a plane coming in from Charlotte. Once it lands, they're going to clean it, cater it, gas it up, and then they're going to get us out and get us on our way. Okay, great. Uh, Two hours have passed after this, and we're still sitting in the terminal. It's 2 in the morning, and they get on the mic, and they say, all right, everybody. The plane is here, so we just have to cater it, clean it, gas it up, and we'll get you out and get you on your way. And we're all groaning, but all right, fine. Meanwhile, my friend Kristen took a sleep aid on the first flight. so She's
0: out like light.
1: She is passed out in the terminal. I have no one to talk to. (laughs) I I, I guess I had a book. I don't know. So we're we're sitting around. At 3 o'clock, they get on the mic again and say to us, the plane's here. We just have to cater it, clean it, gas it up, and we'll get you on your way. <laughs> and everybody is looking around, basically saying, "Like, what the fuck were you guys doing for the last hour?"
0: Yeah, I'm uh, just hanging out.
1: I guess so. So about 20 minutes later, they they start boarding us. It's like 3:15 or so, 3:20 in the morning. They board us on the plane. Everybody gets a free snack box courtesy of U.S. Airways. Wow, which that's made up for so everything.
0: exciting! Yeah.
1: Oh God! Yeah, those crackers superb only if only a few of them were broken in the package so yeah, that's, uh
0: that's, that's high quality, quality service
1: <laughs> yeah yeah no they really know how to make it up to you um so i get on the plane i sit down i close my eyes i open them up after falling asleep for a little bit i look outside and i see that we're still on the ground it's like 4 or four fifteen in the morning at this point we were supposed to land in amsterdam an hour earlier uh in like real time Ugh. all right finally we get up we get off on our way to Amsterdam. Meanwhile, there's this like six foot tall woman sitting behind my friend, Kristen, who's put her knees up against her seat mm. so she can't recline and sleep Some at all.
0: Some people, man. Come on.
1: Yeah. The nerve, right? Although I guess it depends on where you fall on that whole should you or should you not recline debate. I think that they wouldn't have built that function into the seat if it wasn't acceptable. But whatever. I'm a not
0: recline guy, but I also Ugh. understand the other side.
1: Sure. All right. Well, agree to disagree. Uh, we eventually land in Amsterdam and from this point we have to get from Amsterdam airport to their, uh, we have to take a train to Rotterdam central bus station and then take a bus to my friend's apartment. Okay. I don't have any, I don't have any euros on me. So I go to an ATM. I've called up the credit card companies and my bank and everything and put travel notifications on it. I put my debit card in and my debit card gets rejected. Been there. Yeah. Uh, up to this point, I had basically kept everything more or less together
0: (laughs) you haven't lost your shit yet
1: (laughs) and then i snapped i started screaming in the middle of the airport i'm on like no sleep i I had two nights of no sleep because i traveled overnight to go to boston the first time around uh and i just walk over to a foreign currency exchange place and slam 200 dollars down on the counter and say just whatever it is just give it to me which is a terrible idea yeah, the exchange
0: rates in airports, yeah. It's
1: brutal. Um, yeah, no, they kill you. So I, I probably lost like 10 or $15 or something. But I got money. We go onto a train, which we then find out by accident is actually the express train that we did not buy the more expensive tickets for. Uh, however, lucky for us, the conductor is willing to play along with our dumb American card that we pull out. And it's just like, okay, so – all right, this trip will let you go for free, but in the future, just pay attention.
0: Oh, that's nice. Uh,
1: yeah. That was that's something
0: positive it. that happened along the way.
1: Yeah. Look, I have nothing bad to say about the Dutch. U.S. Airways, different story. <laughs> but, but the Dutch, they're great. Uh, we get to Rotterdam. We get on the bus. My friend that we're staying with is waiting. Her name was Jessica. And we get off the bus. At this point, we've been traveling nonstop for about 33 hours. And I gave her a hug. And I said, Jessica, I love you, but I need your shower. And I can't talk about anything else until I get
0: <laughs> I need a shower. And, I need a bed. I need a waffle. Good night. <laughs>
1: yeah. Yeah. Pretty much. Uh, but so that was my like entree into, so, you know, international travel where I did all the planning. Um, so I probably should have figured out that over the years, something would go wrong, but, uh, the rest of that trip luckily went fine. Um, There have been other crazy instances. In 2014, I was in Spain, Portugal, and Morocco, and my sister and I were taking an overnight train from Salamanca to Porto and uh, found out when we got on the train that it was sold out, and it was our only way to get to Porto, and we had to get there the next day. So we stowed away on the train and tried our best to avoid the conductor as long (laughs) as possible, uh until the train started moving and because uh, once the train started moving we figured then we're good they can't kick us off the train in salamanca uh my sister was paranoid that they were going to kick us off the train in some small like backcountry spanish town at two thirty in the morning uh
0: it's a fair concern
1: yeah yeah which i now as an adult realize is probably a reasonable fear <laughs> um yeah yep yeah but we managed to avoid the conductor long enough then she finally found us and started yelling at us in Spanish. Uh, Spanish neither
0: or Spanish. Portuguese?
1: Spanish, because it was going from Salamanca, Spain to Porto, Portugal. Okay, gotcha. In fact, when we got over the border to Portugal, the conductor was way more pleasant, just in general. This, The conductor on the Spanish side had something. She had yelled at a number of different people that were trying to get onto this train. Uh, but eventually she found us and yelled at us a bunch but also realized that we were so far along that she couldn't just kick us off so she had us sit in the bar car for a while made us pay for tickets and then was like at three in the morning these two seats are going to become open because they're getting off you can sit there and we were like okay and she walked away and my sister and i just looked at each other like all right we did it We, we found a way onto the train um and then the only other problem that happened on that trip was when I got to Morocco and found out that because of Ramadan, all of the train schedules were different from what they had uh, listed on their website. That
0: makes a lot of sense, for sure.
1: Yeah. Um, and uh, as a result of that, we, my friends and I had to spend like an hour sitting in a train station in Tangier, Morocco, hastily trying to figure out how we were going to get to all the different places we had booked emails in. Um,
0: I've never done Morocco. I, I've heard really good things.
1: It's a beautiful city. I, I, I uh, When I was there, or beautiful city, it's a beautiful country. When I was there, we took the ferry over from southern Spain and uh, got to Morocco. Do You get to Tangier, which we've heard is great, but we didn't really spend time there. We went to Rabat for a few nights, which I really liked a lot. It's right on the coast, so uh, sunsets are beautiful. Um, it's an interesting city, uh, good food. Uh, and then we went to Fez, which... I don't really recommend. That was an odd experience because it was one of it, – it was a, a point in time where I really felt uh, like the – you know, if you go to any country, there's going to be some uh, – I don't want to call it harassing, but people will look at tourists and they'll think that they have money on them and they'll start nagging you yeah. for cash. It's a, it's a pretty regular thing. Uh, in Fez, it was more pronounced than I think anywhere else I've ever been, although – there was one fun experience we did have in Fez, which is that one of the people in our party, it was his birthday, and we wanted to get some drinks, but alcohol is not as easy to come by in Morocco. Makes sense. Uh, it's a fairly religious Muslim country, so the only people that drink with regularity, at least in our, as far as we understood it, were uh, Westerners and people that were really in, like, the wealthy elite. Uh, and we kind of had heard that the Ramada in central Fez had a bar in it. So we took a cab to the ramada it was like 15 cents uh and we get to the front door of the ramada there's this huge built muscular guy standing at the door in like a formal ramada outfit yeah and we walk up to the guy and we just go um very anxious we uh we heard that you might have alcohol here <laughs> and the doorman just stands there quietly and looks side to side, kind of trying to make sure nobody's really paying attention. And then he leans in and he just goes, come with me, <laughs> opens the door. They had a very nice rooftop bar at, at this hotel uh, where it was like a lot of wealthy people smoking hookah and, and stuff and drinking Casablanca brand beer. Interesting. Um, yeah, it's 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 not very good, but yeah. You know. for, for that country, it's, I would take it. And then we went to Marrakesh, which was uh, a great city. I can't say enough good things about Marrakesh.
0: What's the uh, uh, the name of the city that's like all painted blue?
1: Oh, that is called Shefshuen, I believe. Okay.
0: Yeah, I want to check uh, that place out.
1: Yeah, I've heard good things about it. We didn't get a chance to go there, uh, but I've heard that that's really great and that there is a coastal city called Esawara, I think, or Esawaria uh, that I also would like to go to if I ever get
0: back someday. You uh, know.
1: yeah. Yeah. Well, if we're ever allowed out of our apartments again, I just booked uh, a trip
0: to Hawaii. So here's the hoping.
1: Oh yeah. Where, where in Hawaii are you going to be?
0: Um, I'm flying into Honolulu. I'll probably stay in Oahu for a couple days and then I'm going to go over to the big Island, like Kona area. So, okay. It's not until, uh, December, January, but I'm just like, God, hopefully all this is done by then. And I'm going to need a beach.
1: Yeah, I mean, there should be – Hawaii, I think at the moment, they're pretty stringent about uh, quarantining people for 14 days when you get in. So I hope you booked more than 14 days of vacation.
0: I didn't. I booked uh, uh, 10, but nonetheless, we'll see where it's at, and if I need to quarantine, I'll just reschedule
1: it. Yeah, yeah, hopefully it'll be passed by then. My wife and I went to Maui in December, uh, which was fantastic. We have uh, one of our good friends uh, who actually was the officiant at our wedding – his parents have been living on the east coast of New York for, or of the United States for a long time, but they live in Hawaii. They were out here because the father had a medical procedure done and he needed to stay here while recovering. And I was talking to my friend, and I said to him, who's watching your parents' house? Like They're not going to be home for six months or yeah. whatever. And uh, he said, "Nobody. it's empty. And then he just goes, you guys could probably stay there for free if you want. <laughs> and, and I just went, no, I wasn't. I wasn't trying to dig. That's not, but, but <laughs> uh... so, uh, we talked to his parents and they said, if you pay the electric bill for the weeks, two weeks that you're there, it's all yours. And, uh, you know, we, we used, uh, we charged almost everything we paid for, for our wedding. So we had a lot of travel points, so we got free flights to Hawaii. We had a free place to stay in Maui for eight days. And, uh, you know, I, uh, I I had been to Hawaii once before when I was 13, but I didn't really remember it, and I can't recommend Hawaii enough. It is, you know, people call it paradise, and you just kind of, like, take it in stride, but it is paradise. It's, yeah. it's incredible. I'm stoked. Really beautiful.
0: I uh, When yeah. I lived in South Korea, I lived on a volcanic island, so I feel like I've seen similar, I don't know what the right word is, um, like, geological area, yeah. but... Um, yeah. I'm curious to see what it's like. You always hear good things. I hope I get to go. Anyway, yeah. I don't need to tell a story. <laughs> you were in the middle of a <laughs> well, story.
1: I, but I, I, also feel bad if I eat up all of the airtime. So I'm happy to, have a but I, as I'm you know, I'm very shy and don't love to talk. Extensively.
0: Yeah. So, when I think of you, uh, glorious and shy are the two things I think of.
1: Yeah, absolutely. It's, uh, brevity is the soul of wit, Ryan. And, so uh, I hear. that. That that's why I am not very funny. Apparently, <laughs> uh, the uh, so there's there is one other story that I did want to bring up specifically. Go for it. And there are there are like little things that have gone wrong here or there. My wife and I, when we went to Budapest, our luggage got lost for the first two days. Of the
0: trip. That's that always was, fun. Uh,
1: yeah, that was real stressful. Although one of my good friends always hopes that his luggage will get lost because then he can take advantage of uh, the. Uh, benefits that you get from the airport or the airline, because they're supposed to give you like a hundred dollars a day to pay for clothing or whatever. Yeah. Uh, He moved to New York about a year ago and the luggage that he was moving to New York with got lost. Now he didn't need it right away and he was living here. So like he would get here eventually it was fine, but he was like, this is an opportunity I can't waste. (laughs) So the the airline calls him. They say, we can give you a hundred dollars a day to pay for your, for your luggage. So you have clothes that you can buy. And he said, this is a work trip. I have a big meeting I have to be at. I need to wear a suit and you lost my suit. I have to wear this suit to a meeting tomorrow. <laughs> I need you to pay for a suit for me. And eventually they were like, uh, okay, sure. That's fine. We can pay for $300 for the suit. If you can't provide the receipt. So sure enough, for no reason, he had no business commitment that he had to get here for. Uh, he just knew that there was a chance to get a free suit out of. The
0: deal. That's a dream, man.
1: Yeah, no, you got to know how to work the system.
0: I was, uh, I was reading uh, like a, a tweet or a meme or something recently that was like, um, <laughs> God forbid uh, in the past your bag was like 1.2 pounds over the limit. They're going to charge you $100, and now airlines with all this are like, "Whoa, is me. Give me handouts. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, if I, I've had more than my fair share of uh, trips where I've been uh, victimized by that one. Or like the best is when you fly a budget airline and they tell you that you can max out at like your your carry-on can max out at like, I don't know, let's say twenty-two pounds, yeah. ten kilograms, if it's if it's a European airline. And then you get there and somebody's at the airport and makes you weigh your bag on the scale in front of you, but they make you weigh all of the baggage that you're carrying. So like you packed with the assumption that your carry-on has to be below this limit, but you can sneak some extra stuff on in your backpack. Yeah. And then you're good to go. And then they make you throw your backpack on there. So obviously you go over, I don't know, two tenths of a pound. And that ends up costing you 60 euros. Uh, but anyway, so story. One, one story, yeah, one story I definitely wanted to get in uh, is uh, in 2013, uh, the same friend whose parents live in Hawaii, whose house I stayed at and who officiated my wedding, uh, he works in refugee resettlement. So he lives all over the world. He's moved to a bunch of different countries okay uh he's one of those people who has to get like supplements to his passport so it now has like 150 pages in it and in 2013 he was living in nairobi and when i say that you know when i said earlier that you sometimes have these fanciful ideas of like i'll go travel but it seems like there's some mental barrier so i can't go to paris yet and then you realize all you have to do is buy a plane ticket yeah uh kenya africa was very much in that way for me the idea like i was always i always thought i would go to africa at some point go on a safari do what people do in africa but i had never concretely put it in my brain as a as a real thing okay and then my friend will is living in nairobi and he basically keeps saying when are you gonna visit and uh, eventually i said fuck it man How, how how often am i gonna have a chance to have a friend living in nairobi that can show me the ropes very true yeah so I went to Kenya and Tanzania for three weeks. Uh, the trip started a little odd in that uh, the day before we were supposed to fly, we were going JFK to Amsterdam to Nairobi.
0: The dreaded uh, Amsterdam flight for you, huh?
1: <laughs> yeah, well, it's, it's a shit. You know, I have to say this. A- a- AMS, Amsterdam Schiphol, is basically the nicest airport in the world that I think I've been through. Uh, maybe like Narita in, in Japan is close because everything is nice there. But uh, AMS is very nice. I just don't love that I get stuck there uh, once every two to three years <laughs> um, on average. So uh, we, we were flying JFK to Amsterdam. The day before we we're supposed to leave, I get an email from KLM that my flight has been canceled. Fun. and Yeah. So I'm freaking out. Uh, turns out that they had multiple flights and they have a system where if the flights are all underbooked. They'll cancel one of the flights and then consolidate the passengers. Okay. So I freaked out for a few minutes, but it turned out to be okay. My friend Nicole was coming with me to visit our friend Will in Kenya. So we we go to Amsterdam. We're there for like three hours. We finally, we get to Kenya. More or less things are going according to plan at this point. Uh, oh, you know, a friend of ours picks us up. Uh, he has beer for us to drink in the car as Exciting. we're uh, – Yeah. As we're riding over there. I don't know if you've ever heard of Tusker, but it is the popular beer in uh, East Africa and it's not great, but like, I have a real fondness for it after this trip.
0: Yeah. I got things Uh, like that for sure.
1: Yeah. So, so we're driving to my friend's place and, and he goes, "Uh, Hey, give me a sip of that. My friend, Nicole is like, you can't, you can't drink you're driving. And he just looks at us and goes, Welcome to Kenya. (laughs) Yeah, he just goes, it's Kenya. What, what, come on. Uh, Now, uh, this was really an incredible trip. We went on safari. We went on boat rides on these small lakes in the African coastline where there were hippos. We, uh, you know, know, ate in incredible restaurants and had really fantastic street food. Uh, We rode bikes uh, along moving herds of zebras and giraffes. I mean, it's, It's an incredible place to visit, but you also, you hear people sometimes say that Africa is a different world, and you're like, yeah, sure, and then you get there, and it is a different world to a remarkable degree, and we did some very crazy ways of getting around the country. At one point, we went from Mombasa, which is on the coast of Kenya, up to Malindi, where there's a small regional airport. And uh, our means of transportation was called a Mutatu, which is basically a guy who drives around a minivan and tells you that he's going somewhere, and you can get in if you want. Yeah. And I guess it's like a very decentralized Uber. Let's call it that. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, you know, we gave him the equivalent of like $7 US, and he drives you like 200 miles. But you're packed into this car with like eight other people. Uh, sometimes they'll put their baby on your lap or like a crate with a chicken in it or something. Yeah, you just roll uh, with it. Yeah, and you just just gotta go along with it. Uh, we took an overnight bus from Nairobi to Mombasa, which I definitely don't recommend. That bus also almost left the next day with our luggage still on it.
0: Good, uh, good, good, good. So,
1: yeah, so that was fun, but uh, you know, more or less everything was good. However, there are a few things that really stood out about this trip. The first is that we were on this small island off the coast called Lamu. It's a little bit south of Somalia, maybe a couple hundred miles. Beautiful gorgeous area however there had been instances of western tourists being kidnapped while they are there good, and we had been good. warned yeah yeah, yeah. we've been warned about this but we were trying to our best to keep our guards up um uh, i'm not going to go into the whole story because it'll take a while but long story short we were offered a local offered to take us to a party at this bar that is a floating bar in the middle of the water between the mainland of kenya and the island okay. and we We had been told about this bar ahead of time. We knew it was real. Uh, Long story short, we definitely were being scammed, and it is possible that we were in danger of being kidnapped. We are not sure.
0: Good, 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 good. Yeah, it's always a good place Uh, to be in.
1: Yeah, but what I can tell you is that if you and your friend wind up being the only tourists on a wooden sailing boat like dinghy in the middle of the Indian Ocean at night— with a whole crew of people you do not know who keep on asking you for more money, you start to wonder if you're being kidnapped. Yeah. Swim away uh, for sure. Yeah. Yeah. It was very nerve wracking and we definitely didn't know for sure that we were not being kidnapped. <laughs> uh, it, in reality, we were able to pay our freedom. <laughs> and uh, the, the thing, the best part about it too, is looking back on it, you know, eventually I got into a screaming match with the guy on the boat saying, you know, you promised to take us to this big party. There's no party at this bar. It's totally empty. We really would like to just go home. We're tired. Please take us back. And he said to me, you know, there is there is a balance that you have not yet paid uh, for our services. And I'm just like, all right, how much, like if we pay you the rest of the money that you said this was going to cost, we just take us home. And he reluctantly is like, Sure. Yes. Okay. They didn't talk to us for the rest of the boat ride. Prior to this point, they had tried to entertain us by doing a cappella versions of, uh, you know, uh, like Christmas carols, Fun. and yeah, and Karma Chameleon by Culture Club and Boy George. <laughs>
0: uh, Straight from from uh, Jingle Bells, huh?
1: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, it was literally a Christmas carol into Karma Chameleon uh (laughs) two two great tastes that taste great together um so eventually the guy says yeah they'll take us back they don't talk to us and the whole thing was very stressful as you can imagine in the moment but in retrospect i think about it and i'm like the amount of money that we each paid to get our you know get to safety let's say was like 20 (laughs) dollars, and it's just kind of like
0: and now you got a good story to tell
1: yeah, I paid $20 for a story. But it's amazing to me that I was that stressed out. And that was – it doesn't make me feel good to know that the cost of my freedom was only $20. I would think
0: <laughs> – You think you're worth more, huh?
1: I, I hope so. Uh, you know, I, God knows that uh, the tuition I have to pay right now for my education is way more than that. So I assume it makes me, as a recipient of it, more valuable than $20. Uh, you
0: think we're worth our tuition dollars? I don't know.
1: I didn't say that. I just said that my marginal value increased as a result of that investment. Maybe. Uh, Maybe. Yeah. Uh, So, okay, we almost get kidnapped. Later on in the trip, I go to Tanzania by myself to go climb Mount Kilimanjaro. Fun. I, yeah, I did not get to the top. Halfway up my summit attempt, I got hit with some really bad altitude sickness.
0: I've heard about Uh, that.
1: Yeah, I don't know if if you've never dealt with it. It was like having the flu, uh, a hangover, and a migraine all at the same time.
0: Yeah, and you got you to gotta slowly make your way up, you know?
1: Yeah, and I didn't uh, I didn't take the time that I should have, but I also had one night where I slept in a cabin with this one guy who kept sleeping on his back and snoring like a moose.
0: Yeah, and it's not bueno.
1: No, no bueno. And I could not get any sleep. And, you know, if you're in those conditions, you have to take care of your body, and I didn't get the opportunity to do that. And uh, I really, you know, you get to a point where you say to yourself, this mountain's always going to be here, I don't know that I'm always going to be here if I keep pushing myself. So you turn around. Mm. And uh, I, you know, in the immediate aftermath, I felt good about how far I pushed myself and, and all that. And seven years later, not a day goes by that I don't get more and more irritated that I did not get to the top of
0: that mountain. My buddy uh, uh, made it to the top and said he was, like, hallucinating at the top because the altitude was so bad, so –
1: yeah, I have one, one guy I climbed with who did get to the top said that there was one point where they were walking along around the rim at the peak and he just said like, wait, whoa, where are we? And it turned out that even while walking, his he had like blacked out for 30 minutes.
0: Jeez. And,
1: and had no idea where he was. It's crazy stuff. Uh, so then there's other stuff. I, I On my way back into Kenya, there were some guys at the border who tried to scam me to tell me I needed to give them $100 US to get across even though I obviously didn't. There's a lot of that in Africa. But uh, the thing that I really want to focus on here, which is the capper to the whole thing, is uh, two days before I was supposed to leave Nairobi, uh, the international terminal at the Nairobi airport, which is Jomo Kenyatta International Airport, uh, burned down. And they called in like firefighters from local towns because they didn't have enough but instead of putting out the fire they started looting the gift shops and Jeez. all this yeah so as you can imagine uh when a major international airport has its international terminal burned down it can, it can, it can cause some problems
0: yeah uh, two, just a few
1: yeah yeah so uh I, I now am excited that i get to tell people that i i've had an airport burned down before i had to fly out of it uh but That whole experience was crazy because you'd think – you'd think in like most parts of the world, uh, if you go through JFK or Heathrow or or Charles de Gaulle, uh, if they had something like that happen within 48 hours, they would have a plan. Uh, They they probably already have a plan.
0: I'd be very surprised if they don't have like – a fire service on hand in case a plane catches on fire or something
1: yeah exactly but they definitely have emergency contingencies if something happens to certain parts of the airport uh it was very clear when i got there for my flight home that there was no plan uh and you know i get there first it's just a bunch of people shoving at the front door to try and get in (laughs) and there's one guy at the front who said if you're on this flight you can go inside I was, so I tried to push through, and he goes, I don't like how you push that person. You can't go in. You're not allowed inside. And I was like, what? But I'm on this plane. I paid for my ticket. And he was like, no, you can't push people like that. That's rude. (laughs) And uh, luckily, there was a woman who was also on my flight who I had struck up a conversation with who had already gotten past him who turned around and said that I was with her. And he was like, okay, fine. And then you get inside. There are no lines. It's still chaos. And people are just pushing to see who can get to the check-in counter first. <laughs> and uh, I asked multiple people, I said, I have a, a connection. I have to make in Amsterdam. Am I going to make that connection if, I, if my flight is delayed? And every single person I'd ask, you could see the their eyes turned up in their head a little bit, as if to say that all they could think was, What answer can I give this person that will guarantee that they will stop asking me questions about this? And inevitably, that would be followed with, I believe they'll be able to answer your question at the next stop. And I was like, okay, great. Get out
0: of my hair. Get out out of here.
1: (laughs) Pretty much. So eventually, our flight took off three and a half hours late, which I have to give them this. Considering that the airport burned down, that's really not too bad. <laughs> but, <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, you're right. It's really not that bad.
1: <laughs> yeah. There, there were some people who had to get, like, rerouted through Cape Town or, or Europe and other places that They got delayed. That's
0: days. not a short flight.
1: No, it is not. Uh, I, met, I met a family in my connection who was going – who was, like, three days late and had at one point looked at an itinerary that would have taken them to Brazil to get back to New York. Jesus. Uh, yeah, it was nuts. But three and a half hours could have been worse. Um, I get to Amsterdam, and uh, my flight landed ten minutes after my connection was uh, scheduled to leave. You an Amsterdam get- man? Yeah, I know. Uh, if, if Amsterdam's lucky that I like it, because otherwise I'd never go there again. And then how would that epicenter of European culture be able to exist without my visiting? Agreed. Uh, yeah. Uh-huh. Uh huh. So. Um, I have to say this though, you know, I missed, uh, so I missed my flight. They had to put me up in a hotel near the airport for the day a- and people hear that and they're like, all right, free night in Amsterdam. And I have to tell them, no, 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 I was not in Amsterdam. I was in Schiphol, which if anybody who has flown through that airport knows, is just like a tiny small town, like an hour outside of Amsterdam that happens to have enough space for an international yeah, there's, there's nothing there.
0: It's like I Eindhoven. There's the yeah. Eindhoven's a close city that has a similar airport and there's nothing.
1: Exactly. There. Yeah. I, I, I couldn't really like get out of this hotel uh, and go anywhere. I will say this, though. I got in the shower at the hotel and it was the first time in three weeks that I had had a shower that was both hot and had water pressure at the same time. It's exciting. And I stayed in that shower for like 45 minutes. <laughs> but uh, the next morning I went to the airport because I had worked that day and uh I I get to the airport and I say to the you know I walk up to the KLM desk I say I was on a flight here from Nairobi uh, I'm scheduled I got rebooked to go to JFK at 1:30 but I would like to be on the 10:30 a.m. flight now I went from Kenya where nothing makes sense and then I got to the Netherlands and dealt with the Dutch who are maybe the most efficient people on the planet
0: efficient but and, very weird the Dutch are weird people
1: um yes But weird in like an endearing kind of way, like, like they're, they're a little strange and you look at it and you're just like, (laughs) I don't know if I would do that at my house. (laughs) Oh man, (laughs) Um, But like, but they're all friendly. So I walk up to them, I say, I want to be on the 1030 AM flight. And the woman is just like, passport, please. I give her my passport literally within 30 seconds. She's like, here's your boarding pass. Go that way. (laughs) And, uh, that was that. I get, I get home. I get, I went straight from the airport to the office. Somebody oh. sees me with luggage. Yeah, I had a kind of a reputation. for that. To be honest. Somebody sees me walking with luggage, and they go, "Where are you coming from this time?" And I just looked at him, and I went, "Nairobi." <laughs> <laughs> and you could just tell from his expression that, of all the places in the world I was going to mention, that is not the one that he thought was going to be
0: it. Yeah, um, fair.
1: Yeah, uh, the only coda I have to that story, and it's a short one is that my brother is a professional comedian and a TV writer. And a week after I went to Kenya, he did a USO tour uh, for the troops in Afghanistan, uh, where he you know went to different bases, did stand-up for them, stuff like that. Pretty neat. Uh, and he and I got lunch after he got back. And I told him about my trip to Kenya. And I said, yeah, you know, I kind of got kidnapped, and then I got really bad altitude sickness, and then the airport burned down. It was great. <laughs> and, um, he says to me, okay, I just went to a literal war zone and my trip sounds way safer than yours. <laughs> and, uh, that's, uh, yeah, that's, that's, that's a little insight into some of the crazy adventures that I have had, uh, trying to ground the globe. I'm sure there are more, but I don't want to get up too much. time. I also feel like I have talked literally this whole time. So I want to hear. If if you don't mind, uh, I'd like to hear what, what's like the biggest disaster you've had while bouncing around the globe as somebody who's done a fair amount of it. Put
0: me on the spot. Um, (laughs) I don't know if I've ever told the story on the podcast about how I almost got arrested in Paris and then had to spend the entire day in the Paris Beauvais airport, which is really similar to the one you mentioned. It's like just in the middle of fucking nowhere, like nothing. Around. We walked like a mile and a half to a McDonald's at some point the day day. Cause it was like the only food that wasn't like tiny cafe croissant. And we were like, we need lunch. But, uh-huh. um, and the moral of the story is there was this person that was just a miserable person that we had spent the night with that had a connection to one of our friends. I don't need to go into all the details. And, uh, she decided on the way home from a night out that she wanted to get her picture in one of those big, like cat, Uh, construction equipment things like with the the scooper on it and the door was open and it was just like sitting on the street and she's like, I want my picture in it. And so, um, she had just been annoying us all night and we were like, no, like, come on, we're going home. And, uh, she was insistent. So finally my buddy agrees. He's like, I'll take your fucking photo. Just get up in the thing. Let's go. And immediately we are swarmed by like 10 cop cars. Like they just come out of nowhere. And like, we're like putting our hands up. I'm shouting in Italian. Cause I speak Italian. My buddy shouting sure. in Spanish. No one speaks French. And so they like put us up against a fence and they're like aggressively patting us down. And, uh, they sort of like just went back to their cars and then they come back and they were like, none of you speak French. And we were like, no. And they were like, leave, get out of here right now. Like, go away. (laughs) We don't want you here. And so we just like walked back to our hostel and that was the end of it. But I thought for sure, I was like this dumb asshole climbed up into this construction equipment and now we're going to have to go to prison. So we basically, well, go ahead. Sorry. I
1: was going to say what it is, is you fell for, that's a classic sting operation is the catch the drunk uh, 20 something climbing into construction equipment. That's, that's why all the cops were ready. They, they were staking it out.
0: <laughs> we think they, that they, they thought there was a drug deal going on or something. That Like they thought someone oh. had put drugs into the thing and someone was coming to get it. We don't really know. That, but
1: that could be it. That's not a bad uh, a bad guess.
0: You were actually. young, man. I was like 20 when this happened. And Oof. we were just so amped up from all of it. Like we didn't go to sleep right away when we got back and... Like we set an alarm, but it didn't go off. And so we slept, our flight was early morning. It was like a 7 a.m. flight and we slept right Uh, through the alarms and just fucking sat and did nothing all day in this Paris Beauvais airport. We were miserable and we walked to, uh, to this McDonald's (laughs) forever away. And we were just like these dirty Americans walking in and we didn't speak any (laughs) French. Just Uh, random tiny town. That was uh that was not a fun one, but trying to think if doesn't. I don't know. I think that's it. I think that's all of the, uh. I haven't been too unlucky with like missing a ton of flights and things. I've missed them, but nothing that comes to mind in that it scars me like that one did.
1: Yeah, sounds like it. That's pretty uh, pretty fortunate for somebody who's been around uh, the globe as much as you. I've 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 only actually missed a handful of flights in my life, uh, like maybe two or three. One of them was a flight to Indianapolis that I missed because I had spent too much time at my apartment making a sandwich uh, before the flight took off. That's that's all on me. I'm not going to blame. <laughs> it. I'm not going to blame the airline for
0: that one. When I was, uh, when I was living in England, I came home to New York to visit my grandparents for Christmas, and there was a blizzard, and I ended up being trapped in New York for like. I wasn't living in New York at the time. I live in New York now. I was living in England, and I right. think I was trapped in New York for like, God, I don't know, a couple extra days. I remember I uh, I'd taken the um, Long Island Railroad from the airport back to my grandparents. Like town on Long Island, uh-huh. and it was just snowing, and I didn't know where their place was, and I didn't have cell service because I had an international phone. So this like oh, random, wow. I'm just like sitting at this Long Island railroad station with no idea what to do, and my this super nice guy, I just like was like, "Hey, do you know which way this street was?" And he was like, "I have no idea, dude." But <laughs> if you want to get in the car? We can just drive around and see if we find it. And eventually, we found it. So wow. <laughs>
1: Very nice of that person with their yeah, time.
0: I had brought like Italian wine or something. And I was like, you can have this bottle of wine.
1: <laughs> oh, that's very nice of you. Uh, I will say one other thing I, I forgot to mention. When I, I said I was in Kenya, we went to this small airport in the middle of nowhere on the coast. You know, the whole terminal of the airport was maybe like the size of my living room. Uh, really very, very tiny. I do not live in a huge apartment. <laughs> and and uh, But the best part about it, and I'm curious if you ever had this happen. Is they gave everybody their uh, tickets to get on the plane, and the tickets were handwritten.
0: I've never seen that. No, that's crazy. <laughs>
1: yeah, it was when they gave it to me. I looked at it and I was just like, "Wait, Sorry, you, what? <laughs> this is this is seriously it? It's it has my name on it, and where it says seat number, it just says fly." Uh, <laughs>
0: You will so, be on the plane somewhere.
1: <laughs> yeah, that's that's all I got. I, I still have the tickets. Uh, that's literally what they said. And then the plane—it was like being at a train station. The plane lands. They usher people off. They usher them back. Up, like ushered us on, and they just basically were like, "Sit anywhere. Sit there. It's fine." And that plane was on the ground for a grand total of like ten minutes, and that, then off, off we went again. Yeah, it was crazy. It, it's a a whole new world that I, I recommend, but you got to have a. Uh, gotta have a a good a strong stomach for for craziness that's
0: how i felt about india i was like you have to go in expecting that things are going to be crazy and you're just going to have to roll with the punches and it's very much what i needed to do for the entirety of the trip
1: (laughs) yeah have not yet been to india i would like to go at some point i actually have friends that live in mumbai that just moved there about six months ago but uh hopefully i'll get a chance to visit them but uh since i can't go anywhere right now uh that is put off but uh, that's exactly what I've been told. You, uh, Any plans that you've made for that trip, you know, do it with a grain of salt.
0: Yeah, you got to be ready to, like I missed a bus at one point and like uh, tried to make my way across town really fast in a rickshaw and then just missed that bus, like literally was pulling away as I got to it. And I was just like, you know what? Screw it. Not going to that city tonight. We'll go tomorrow morning.
1: <laughs> yeah. Oh, I just forgot that when I was in Africa. Another thing, when we took we took an overnight bus from Mombasa, from Kenya to, uh, from Nairobi, sorry, to Mombasa, we uh, got to the city and had been told by one of my friend's roommates of a certain hotel that he had stayed in when he was there. And so we were going to go to that hotel to get a room. And uh, yeah, that hotel didn't exist. So... <laughs>
0: No such thing. Um, Never happened.
1: Yeah, there it is. So we found uh, some cafe in Mombasa which had Wi-Fi and sat down for like an hour to try and find any hotel that <laughs> try we could and find stay a
0: roof in. over your heads.
1: Yeah, anything, anything with a lock on fair, the door. Fair. Uh, we found one, and we got there, and I went to the bathroom to wash my hands, and my feet got soaked, and then I looked down and saw that the sink in the bathroom did not drain. Into an actual like sewage system, it just opened up onto the floor.
0: And <laughs> That's awesome.
1: Yeah that that was a that was a learning experience. Africa, man, uh, it's an interesting place.
0: You gotta, uh, anyway, you gotta make it someday.
1: Yeah, no, it's it's absolutely worth the worth the time and the uh, and the voyage. You get some crazy experiences, but you know, similar to how you felt in India, I'm sure. As long as you are willing to not. Go crazy and take it as it comes. You'll you'll have yourself a, a good time. And more importantly, uh, what you hope are good stories to share on a podcast. There
0: you uh, go. <laughs> yeah. Well, if you listen to the last episode, you know that I throw out um, a large life question at the end. Um, oh,
1: boy.
0: So with quarantine, you get two. The first one uh, will be, what is your high and low of quarantine thus far?
1: My high and low of quarantine so far? Um, my high point I would say is that, uh, I usually don't read books as much as I claim that I will. And, uh, in quarantine, I've had so much free time that I've finally dived into all of these books that I had bought over the past year. Uh, you know, I'm the type of person where I hear about a book that seems interesting and I'll look for like a used copy online for like six or seven bucks and buy it, assuming that I'll read that at some point and then it just sits on my shelf. (laughs) But, uh, the high point of uh, quarantine at this point has been that I have gotten to uh, – I've read eight books now, nice. or seven books. Yeah, I'm in the middle of my eighth book. I'm reading a book about Operation Thunderbolt, which was the Israeli uh, rescue of hostages at Entebbe. Uh, but, I mean, I've read a bunch of pretty interesting things. Uh, and, uh, you know, my uh, my wife and I both lead active lives, so we don't always get to spend that much time together. So it's been nice uh, to – not be able to get away from each other for a little while. <laughs> Fair. Uh, yeah. Um, my low point of quarantine to this point is probably, uh, you know, we're, we're in the same graduate program and I was very excited about starting an in-person program and we've had to do most of that online, which is
0: Fair. a real bummer.
1: Uh, so I would probably go with that. But again, uh, you know, I, I, I say that knowing full well that there are a lot of people out there who have had it uh, had this experience much worse than I have. So sure. I, I, I try not to. Complain.
0: Fair, ma'am. Question number two, big question. Yeah. Um, oh boy. What do you want to say? You get the mic, you can say whatever you want. It doesn't have to do with travel. It doesn't have to do with anything. Just say whatever you want.
1: Oh man. Okay. So, uh, last night, my wife and I are watching back to the future part two Classic. and yeah, great movie. And, and you know, Marty McFly gets the future on October 21st, 2015. And the big news there is that the Cubbies have won the World Series. Uh, They sweep it in five games against Miami, which is crazy because when this movie came out, the Miami Marlins did not exist yet. And they were also the Florida Marlins when they did come into existence two years later. So that part's crazy. They're also both in the National League, so they couldn't play in the World Series. Um, And the World Series is not a best of Nine, it's the best of seven games. And obviously, they, they did those things on purpose. Yeah, they took some liberties. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, but like that's part of the fun. So I, I don't knock them for that. It's the future. You can do whatever you want. However, it's 2020 now. And it's not the future. This movie theoretically took place five years ago. So I uh, decided to look up, you know, my, my New York Mets won the pennant in 2015. So October 21st must have been right around then. And they beat the Cubs in the NLCS that year. So I look it up, and sure enough, October 21st, the day that Marty McFly goes to the future, is the day that the Mets beat the Cubs 8-3 in Game 4 to complete a sweep and win the pennant. Wow. Uh, so, yeah. So I was very excited about this. I talked to my wife about it. She did not care. I then uh, posted about it on Facebook, hoping to get some reaction from other friends of mine who either like the Mets or are desperate for any type of human interaction during this time, nothing. So, uh, (laughs) so you just want to get it out here. (laughs) Yeah. So this, I'm, I'm using your podcast as a forum to tell everybody that, uh, we Mets fans gripe a lot about the pain we endure, but sometimes, uh, great things happen. And for us, the last really great thing that happened was the day that Marty McFly went to the future, which, uh, and, and the Mets didn't even have Gray's sports almanac to guide them. So I love yeah, it. I, I just needed to bring that up to somewhere where I knew that somebody would have to hear it because they uh, are the host of a podcast and they have no way out of listening to that story once I've heard
0: it. it. There's a decent chance that several of my family members that listen to this podcast will hear it. <laughs> Perfect. Um, maybe a few friends here and there. I, there are a couple hundred random people that I don't know, maybe somewhere along the way. So here's Excellent. to hoping. Well,
1: man. I hope that that not only enlightens them to New York Mets history, but also really places Back to the Future Part Two in a greater cultural context that, uh, it, you know, elevates the deep meanings and uh, philosophies behind that film.
0: Dropping knowledge, yeah. man. Dropping knowledge. Yeah, totally. Well, thank you for coming on and taking the time. And, uh, you know... Keep it real. Hopefully, we both get to travel again soon, and uh, I'll see you in class tomorrow. Right?
1: <laughs> yeah. Thanks. Thanks for having me. Uh, thanks for giving me an opportunity to tell all these stories that my wife has heard a thousand times. So I don't really get to tell them that frequently anymore. So it's good, happy good to, to have to
0: get, you, man. That was great. Yeah, Thank you.
1: Good. Good to get some uh, some new ears on it. And uh, yeah, uh, see you tomorrow, and hopefully see all the people in our lives soon. soon in their
0: life. <laughs> All right. Well, thanks. Thanks for listening to everyone trying to crank out episodes um, relatively frequently here. So if you want to be on the show, you know, someone who wants to be on the show, you have a connection to someone famous. That's going to put me on the map by all means. um, Reach out to
1: me and uh, we'll catch you all later. Have a good one.